try to prove otherwise this is the clashing sabers podcast i am one of your hosts brandon boylan and back with me is my man that that's where you come in oh hey hey guys you, you, it's nice to be back he's a little rusty folks he's got a little bit of ring rust going on here but well, of course it is Drew i'm the pilot I'm the pilot. <laughs> I'm the pilot oh man so drew it's good to brandon be back it is so it, good. oh it's nice to be back doing something that's actually fun and exciting um uh what have i missed <laughs> uh you know lightsaber battles han solo release star Wars i've heard of that apart i've heard of that too great. you know the norm oh well it's good to see nothing has changed that's exciting star wars uh all the movies are being canceled though because uh bob Iger said that they're going to slow down so that that means everything's being canceled because the internet <laughs> You know, I, I, for one, I don't know if we've all had a chance to weigh in on this, but I, I read that interview, and I'm kind of in favor of the slowdown of things. I think the annual release is highly ambitious and is uh, not really a good idea, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be fine. We've got Resistance coming out pretty soon. What is that, a year away, maybe? Uh, Resistance is... Or is that this... It's next Sunday. Not this oh, Sunday. Oh, it's next... Yeah. So the what? Sun- this this show will be released. The what week year is it? <laughs> it's the Sunday of the week that this episode's going to be released. We're recording on the twenty sixth. It's going to come out uh, the week of the first. So yeah, that's the Sunday the seventh. It premieres uh, on Disney, and then it, I guess it moves over to Disney XD for weekly after that. Wow. Okay, I'm a little behind. My bad. <laughs> it's only going to happen a hundred more times Pro- tonight. Probably, but um. No, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you that I'm in complete favor of the idea of, you know, it, it's interesting because all the, the news media said, you know, kind of things to the nature of Bob Iger is disappointed in Star Wars or the standalone movies are, you know, in trouble or whatever. And, and he didn't say that at all. What he said right. was that he was going, he said basically that Solo's poor performance and the release date issue was his fault. He told Lucasfilm that it needed to be released in May because he didn't want it interfering with Mary Poppins Returns, which, as excited as I am for it, I don't think is going to be as big of a movie as they think it's going to be. Because Wow. I Honestly, like, I've been teaching for five years, and for five years I've probably had two kids that have seen Mary Poppins, and I know this because it always comes up every year for one reason or another, and I'm hmm. astonished that they haven't seen Mary Poppins. So, Interesting. So I just, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be the Infinity War that I, that I feel like they're thinking it's going to be. But that said. Yeah, that's not a bad point. I mean, you're talking about Mary Poppins is what, 55 years old or something like that? It came yeah. out in 64, I think. That sounds about Something right. like that. And so, I mean. I definitely did not cheat by pulling my copy of the DVD off the shelf, by the way. No, not at all. Not you. You are fair and let me just put that back you're as fair as lando playing sabacc Um, oh that's personal dude (laughs) so but no i I, i'm a fan of this i think 
the the thing about Star Wars that makes it special is its rarity. Um, I would be totally fine, honestly, if they took uh, five years off after the the uh, Benioff and Weiss series and before you get the Ryan Johnson series. I mean, I'm as much as I'm excited about the Ryan Johnson series, uh, I, I'm a big fan of the idea of letting us marinate on it and then filling in for those hardcore fans with the comics and the books and the TV shows and things like that. And if the movies aren't enough for you, then you have those those other outlets. But the sky is not falling, Chicken Little, so we're going to be okay. <laughs> in other news, Drew, what have you been Star Warsing lately? Well, I've had some time to kind of catch up on some things, which has been neat. Um, I was able to finish Season 2 of Rebels. Um, it was good. Enjoyed it. Looking forward to Season 3. I got Season 3 out. Again, I'm a big proponent of your public library. I think you should all go and... Uh, visit your public library and, and tell them how much of a good job they're doing and then get involved. Um, so I got season three out and I tried to watch the first episode and the first episode was so scratchy and so jumpy that I couldn't do it. And I, I weighed the options. Do I skip the first episode of season three? Do I just jump into the next one? Do I even look at like the teasers for the next couple episodes? I said, no, I'm going to wait. I've got another copy from a different branch of the same public library system. Um, so I'm hoping to be able to start that soon. Um, but season two was really fun to kind of finish up. I'm really glad I was able to get through that finally. Um, I'm going to try and burn through season three as much as I can. Season four will be right after that. And by then, I should be caught up. So by the time I get all caught up, Resistance will probably have been on the air for two years. So I'll just be behind on that. So that won't be so bad. The other thing I'm trying to catch up on whoa, is I started... Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you buried the lead there. You finished season we two of Rebels. That. Yeah. Twilight of the said... Apprentice. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> what? No. No, it was cool. I, I give it a positive, a positive rating. It was very enjoyable. That is some of the best Star Wars out there. Period. Like that. I, I, I will say, mm. I will. It, dude. It, it surprised me in a lot of different ways. Like I really like the fact that Ezra keeps the Sith holocron. Um, and I feel like that is going to be a big, big problem going forward for him. And I think that's an interesting storytelling device. I think they dispatched of the two Inquisitor characters whose numbers I don't remember. But there's the uh, Kung Lao looking character from Mortal Kombat. And then who's the voice actor? For uh, the, Sarah, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Sarah right? Sarah Michelle Gellar, yeah. The Did sixth right? okay. and the seventh sister for those of you playing along. Oh. Very well done, sir. Nice job. Uh, I, I think they kind of dispatch with those characters very quickly, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, because I think that they're making room for Darth Maul. Um, but I'm not really sure if I was supposed to know what's happened in between Clone Wars and Season 2 of Rebels from Darth Maul's perspective. Because at this point, I don't think that comic series had come out, that Son of Dathomir comic. I don't remember when that came out, but I'm not really sure. Was I supposed to know what happened in between those two things, in between Clone Wars ending and Rebels middle no, so, seasons? So was that kind of like everybody had the same experience? Yeah, of yeah. Like, it's, what? It's, it's kind of like that. Um, I think if Son of Dathomir didn't come out right before he premiered, it came out right after, but that happens like immediately after the the clone wars episodes we see him on because he's oh. in charge of the the mandalorian um faction that follows him 
But he goes from there. Siege of Mandalore happens, which, of course, we're going to get in the new season of Clone Wars. But we don't know a whole lot of information about that event yet, do we? we All we know is Ahsoka and Maul faced off in some way, shape, or form, which is why he calls her a part-timer and refers to her as Lady Tano and stuff. He's kind of taunting her with that. So we'll get that in Clone Wars, and then from whatever happened there led to Crimson Dawn, but we don't know what led him from Crimson Dawn to... Uh, okay. So hopefully, you know, we get more of those stories because I think there's definitely some cool stuff to fill in there. Okay. Well, I was I was glad to see his character back. Um, so I'm kind of excited to see what they're going to be able to do with him in season three. The back of the box for the season three box that I have kind of spoils uh, Obi Wan's return to the show, so I already kind of know what happens. I don't know how we get there and whatever. I'm kind of curious in how they're going to connect the Obi-Wan, Darth Maul battle to the rest of the series. I don't really think going to Tatooine makes a lot of sense, but the show does a lot of things that doesn't make a lot of sense anyway. So that's okay. I think for the most part it makes sense in in the context. Um, but we'll come back to it after, you, after you've seen it, and you can tell me. Yeah, that's kind of what I- I figure we'll get to that point and we'll kind of do a, another little retrospective and kind of re- revisit some of those the highlights and lowlights of that season once we get through it. So um, you, mean, you mean I have to watch Rebels again? I mean, you don't have to. You probably have the entire thing memorized already anyway, don't you? There, the little one-man show that you a, can put on? There's a possibility. <laughs> Coming soon to a theater near you. I felt very bad for Kanan, though, as he gets kind of abused and beat up in that episode there at the end of season two. And I was like, oh, don't do that. That's my dad. Wait, wait till you see what they do with him in season three and how they develop that character. Because I think okay. the aspects that you connected with, uh, you know, the, the kind of he's imperfect and, and he's aware of that kind of thing. Um, I think you're going to I think you're going to like what they do with him in season three. And I have my. I have my problems with some of the stuff in season three more than any of the other seasons, probably. Um, just, but I, but I think Kanan they handle perfectly. Oh, excellent! I am looking forward to it. So I'm definitely more excited to continue watching it than I was like at the end of season one. So this is good. Awesome! Yeah. So I have. Let's see. What's what about? I, I feel like I've been. I, Star Warsing a lot of different things, but nothing really <laughs> consistently lately. Uh, I did just finish watching Solo over again uh, when we, right before we started this recording. Uh, so I've now seen it a grand total, including the theater of like five times. Oh my times. gosh! So not not that many, not that many compared to. By the time Last Jedi had been out this long, I'd probably already watched it five times at home. So, but oh, I. And I and I talked with this uh, we talked with Lindsay about this on our solo novelization show, so I'm not going to go too in depth to it. But I I like having it at home because I'm catching those little things. For some reason, like when I'm at the theater, I'm I'm super focused on the story, and I miss some of the the mentions and the Easter eggs and stuff um, that first time. And of course, I only saw Solo twice, so I caught <laughs> some of them the second time. But now ca- getting mentions like Black Spire. Uh, which is the the Galaxy's Edge outpost, getting um, he- actually hearing the little tidbit about the escape pod in the front and things like that, uh, ha- have added to the viewing experience. And I, I I feel like Solo is a movie that I'm enjoying a lot more at home than I did in a theater. That's interesting. Yeah. So head over to our Solo novelization show. Cheap plug there. Um, 
if you're subscribed, it's already in your feed, and you've hopefully already listened to it. Um, <laughs> if you, I've downloaded it. I've not yet listened to it. I'm not really sure because I'm not going to read that book. Like, there's no chance I'm reading that. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's, sorry guys. Bottom line, it's a solid book. If you are into reading as much as possible of the new canon, it's worth your time. But if you're, if it comes down to like reading one of the new novelizations, definitely go Last Jedi before you go Solo. I think it adds so I did I did buy my copy of Solo when it came out on Blu-ray um, because I insist on having a physical copy of it available. And I was a little bit frustrated this time because – and I posted something on the Facebook page that we have that there's no Steelbook edition available for the Blu-ray. You can only get Steelbook if you get the 4K version, which has the 4K disc, the Blu-ray, a DVD, like a VHS and a Laserdisc. It's all this stuff in there for like 50 like 35 bucks or something like that as opposed to force awakens and last jedi which i have the steel books for which are really really nice um rogue one where are you on my shelf where does rogue i don't have a steel book for rogue one do you uh, do you even know what i'm talking about when i say steel book yeah i know what you're talking about okay good i was about to say because you're not a physical media kind of guy anymore is my understanding which is sad just sad there's gonna be that day when the internet just takes things away from you and you're gonna be like nothing you got nothing well, what are you I'll, gonna do i'll go out and buy the physical copies then oh right because that's definitely gonna be something that's available to you after the holocaust happens the if, nuclear if, holocaust if it shuts all of our internet if it gets to the point where i can get neither a digital or physical copy of star wars it's, life's not really worth living it's not a world anymore <laughs> So, we probably have much larger problems. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably not having time to, to sit down and, and watch a movie in between trying to find, like, I don't know, All right. or something. All right, you and, your, you and your priorities or whatever. So be it. Well, I'm planning to watch Solo with the kids this weekend. They haven't seen it. Um, my six-year-old, soon-to-be seven-year-old, is very excited about it. He's been asking when it comes out for the past, like, two or three months so I hope that it's good. I hope that they enjoy it. I think that they will. I, I don't think I'm going to rewatch it beforehand. So this will actually be the second viewing is when we do it all together, sitting on the couch with a real TV and all that. Because when I was in the theater, this was – I was one of the people who had like the bad theater experiences. Like everything looked blurry and muddy and unclear what was going on. Just visually was very distracting. So I'm hoping a lot of that is cleared up now that we'll get it in the – the privacy of a home viewing area with kind of a better better arrangement and whatnot. But I you've already watched it five times at home? No, 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 no. Five times total. I've watched it oh. three times at home. Oh, only three times. My bad. But I but bad. I got the digital version, so I've had it for You've had it for a couple weeks now? A couple weeks now, yeah. So okay. uh, but I will say the I, I'm not sure whether my theater was like that or not, um, just because the the color palette is so weird on this movie like all the color palettes are the same you go mm-hmm. min, you go Corellia and it's all the same gray color you go Mimban it's all the same muddy gray color uh the the bar scene where they play Sabak is all it's just all the colors are very uniform so it's kind of right. hard to to tell or at least was in my theater like is this just bad lighting playing out or is it you know, my theater being the problem, but bottom line, like the home viewing, like I said, I've enjoyed and I, I kind of feel like I enjoy it more at home, Yeah. but I'm already to the point where I'm like, 
I'm probably gonna go back to like Force Awakens, Last Jedi here pretty soon. I need to do an original original trilogy rewatch soon. I haven't watched them in quite some time. That was gonna be one of my next questions: was how often do you watch the other ones, and and ha- where is Solo kind of falling in your ranking of of order? So so Solo is definitely it, Solo and Attack of the Clones are fighting it out for the bottom spot. Wow, it, it kind of goes back and forth. I think. I should think that you Jedi would have more respect for the difference between knowledge and <laughs> wisdom. I think Solo is a better overall film. I think Attack of the Clones adds more to the saga just because of what it, it gives us with Padme and Anakin and, and kind of the start of things that will lead to the fall of the Empire. So, you know, that kind of affects the rankings. But generally speaking, like, it, whenever I have... You know, two, two and a half hours to myself when the fiancé is not home, I am watching a <laughs> Star Wars movie. Um, unless it's, like, in season for one of the shows, then I'm usually re-watching that. Um, it it kind of just depends on what other media is out there, what book I'm reading and stuff. But I would say sure. two to three times a year, at least, I watch all of them. Wow. Depending on, I mean, I mean, of course, that's depending on everything, and that's, like, across a whole year, and I might not sit and watch all of them at one time. Like, especially longer ones like Attack of the Clones and Last Jedi, I may, like, get tired and go take a nap and then not come back to it till the next day or something. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting old. You're getting old, I'm, man. I'm just, almost I, 30. I'm practically dead. Oh, man. I know. Oh, no. So. Somebody get him the Metamucil. <laughs> so, speaking of getting old and things that will tear your body apart. Oh, gosh. That's the hardest transition. It was so hard. It was like... But you did it. You did it. We only have minor whiplash there. Go ahead, continue. It was like Han Solo trying to to get through that little slit in Corellia, and he knew he was going to make it. And I was about halfway through, and I'm like, this is going to be good. And then, nope. Nope, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. I don't even remember that part. You you, you, you have to rewatch. You have to watch a movie more than once, Drew. Come on, get it together. I mean, do I have to, though? I mean, have is a strong word. I mean, if you want to keep, you know, your fan card. Cause you're, cause oh gosh! Because you're not a true fan if you don't like all the movies. Well, oh dear. Okay, let's <laughs> let's table that for another day. Let's not go down that dark alley. Uh, but <laughs> before we jump into our topic for tonight, which is I don't know should I should I tell him or should we wait till after the break? I think you wait till after the break. I think we wait till after the break. You know what? Let's let's kick it over to Devin Cleffer. He's going to tell you a little bit about Outer Rim Originals and our new partnership with them, and then we'll come back with our topic. Hey, Clashing Sabers listeners. I hope you're enjoying this great podcast. This is Devin Cleffer from Outer Rim Originals, your online source for limited edition Star Wars artwork from officially licensed Disney and Topps artists. Each Outer Rim Original artwork has the industry's lowest print run of only 45 prints. All limited edition pieces from Outer Rim Originals are printed on archival quality Z-Clay paper, are hand-numbered, signed by the artist, and include a certificate of authenticity from Outer Rim Originals. And, because you're a listener of this podcast, Outer Rim Originals is offering you the opportunity to purchase a limited edition signed print with 10% off of your order. Simply head to OuterRimOriginals.com and enter the discount code CLASHINGSABERS, the number 10. That's CLASHINGSABERS10. Then get ready to be the envy of the galaxy with a limited edition signed print from Outer Rim Originals. Remember, OuterRimOriginals.com, discount code CLASHINGSABERS10. That's OuterRimOriginals.com, discount code CLASHINGSABERS10. Now, back to the podcast. 
And we're back. And definitely go over and check out Outer Rim Originals. Uh, if you haven't seen their artwork, it is it is pretty sweet. And uh, I got a little... I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. Um, I got what? a little... Yeah. So I got a little preview of what's coming up in, in future editions of the Outer Rim Originals. And there's some Last Jedi artwork coming out that is pretty mm. fantastic. I'm not going to lie. I may I may have to get my hands on it and use that, that, that code, Clashing Sabers 10. Yes, insert cheap plug here. I win. <laughs> Let's get into our topic. Nice. Um, so, so, so... Drew, I feel like you should introduce this topic because this is your your baby, your, your oh gosh. pet idea. So why don't you do not put that on? much do not put that much responsibility on me for things ever. You you're the older one here. One of us has to be mature and we both know it's not going to be me. Well, <laughs> somebody call Mark. We need Mark to come in and be the mature one. <laughs> yes, please. Okay, so we had this idea. The first idea was because, you know, we like to do the top and bottom three. We kind of pick, like, the best and kind of the worst examples of things we can think of just to kind of balance it out, like powerful light, powerful darkness. And kind of start. I started off thinking, you know, I haven't been in a fist fight in a really long time. We won't define how long that is. Wait, but hold was, on. Hold on. In a really long time implies long that time. Drew Brett has been in a fist fight before. Well, um, that's usually how language works. But, again, like I said, long time. We're not going to talk about that. We're not here to talk about me. Gosh, Brandon, it's not all about me. I mean, it could be. That's a different podcast. So we started off with, who would you like to get in a fist fight with? Kind of that fight club mentality. Like, there's the scene in Fight Club where they're like, I'd like to fight Gandhi. It's like, that's really interesting. It's also really dark, but it's a really dark movie. We thought that was a little too violent. Maybe a little bit too violent, a little too personal. Brandon started getting a little bit touchy with his emotions again. So we kind of we, we boil it down to we changed it to the the fist fights we'd like to see. So kind of the characters we wanted to pit against each other. You throw the two of them in a ring, and only one comes out standing. Well, maybe drags himself over the finish line, kind of thing. I don't know how sports work. So the top and bottom three characters you'd like to see get in a fight with each other. That's kind of the way I was approaching it. Now, Brandon. You know we like to have rules around things, and then we like to break the rules. Did you have any particular rules you wanted to have on this one? So I, I had some parameters that I set uh, for myself just kind of to help me envision what what was going to happen in the fight. So first of all, I did no force powers, no weapons. I, I'm i thinking like MMA-style five-minute five rounds. Oh, wow. Um, you got so, so, so a championship-type bout, just to keep it, you know, just to keep it sportsman and not, and not to... Uh, street fighty um because you know i'm i'm a sportsman i'm a sportsman and a gentleman what can i say are and, you okay yeah i'm gonna go with that it helps me sleep at night nice my, my bottom three uh is i kind of considered it the most comical or lacking of entertainment value and <laughs> so what pay-per-views would you not pay to see and yes. then my top are my my top the ones that i really want to see the ones that you know you would pay, you know, Ronda Rousey versus uh, Cyborg uh, to, to to see. So that's my parameters. What about yours, Drew? What? <laughs> that was a very odd thing to pair together, but okay, sure. Um, I kind of went the same way. Whose n- nickname is I... Cyborg, and I can't remember her name right now. Oh, you're not talking about the character from the Justice League? No, movie, no, I'm talking uh... about. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
Oh, wow. Look at you knowing actual sports things. I'm, I'm impressed. Um, I kind of had the same kind of rules. The top of the th- three would be the ones that were most interesting or most personable, have the most at stake, uh, or just the most fun to watch. The bottom three would be, like you said, the most ridiculous and yet still worth having, I think, because I had a couple examples in the honorable mentions column that were like, this would be ridiculous. And then I was like, this is just ridiculous. There's actually no redeeming value here. Um, I don't have a lot of force users, so the one that does have a force user in it, we kind of have to put that to the side. It's a much more personable, a much more personal uh, uh, fight that these two characters are going to have, and you kind of have to ignore the fact that one of them is an overly powered user of the force. So, having put those rules down, do you want to give? You want to start with the bottom or the top? Let's yeah, do the bottom. Let's, let's start with the bottom. Yeah, I think that's probably we'll get to the more interesting ones in a minute. <laughs> Well, and I also really what a great way to preface it. I really want to finish with my last one. I'm very excited about my, my oh my top okay. Three, so. uh, well, why don't you uh, kick it off then? All right, so my number three bout is the politician versus the wimp. I'm calling it the cruddy kerfuffle. It's Rush Clovis versus Rune Hako. Rush Clovis? Yes, you remember the guy from Clone Wars that was Padme's old love interest that Anakin got jealous over and then he got his butt whooped by Anakin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Didn't he, like, throw him through a window in their apartment or something at something one point? crazy like that. So, uh, this one falls in the the lack of entertainment value. This, <laughs> this is one that in the wrestling business it would be called a dark match because it's supposed to get the crowd excited, but it's not going to. One, we've seen Clovis get, get in a fight before. Like we said, he's he's been pummeled. And he's more like like a chess player, right? So he's going to be trying to plan things out, talk his way out of the fight. And then, meanwhile, you have Rune Heiko, who's not even going to be paying attention, trying to talk his way out of the cage, <laughs> begging and pleading for anyone to listen. I think in the end, the official calls this one before the start of round two. Um, and as he's trying to like kind of get them going with each other, he Rune Heiko just goes, Now those two of them! And that's the end of the fight because everyone's out of hand. This is getting out of hand. So there is there's no there's no winner here. But the real loser is the people watching. (laughs) The real loser is the friends we made along the way. Yeah, Something like that. Okay. Um, Okay. not bad. I'm I'm impressed that you you, you pulled one of those Clone Wars characters just out of nowhere. Uh, I, I dug deep on these. I wanted to go. I was like. What can I get that will throw <laughs> Drew off of his game for a minute? So well done. Well played, sir. Yeah. There's no coming back from that. Okay, so my bottom number three is going to be Grand Moff Tarkin versus Moff Gergerod, and we're going to call this the Battle of the Death Star Commanders. Um, it's basically just two middle-aged, two old white guys just kind of flailing at one another, and it's in, in order to determine who is the best commander of the best Death Star. And I think Tarkin still wins this one because you can't hit him. Look at him. He's so old. You don't want to hurt him. And then some off Jerdrods is kind of a wimp and pushover anyway. So I figure if he wasn't willing to do anything to stand up to anyone running him over in, in Death Star 2, he's not going to stand up to Grand Moff Tarkin. So just to see old people just kind of beat each other up seems a little bit ridiculous. And it gets worse as we go on through this list. <laughs> I, I feel like Tarkin would taunt him the whole time. 
and Jirjarod would just be like not knowing how to react to it, right? Like he doesn't know how to speak trash, talk trash to someone. No, I think he gets all flustered, and I think Tarkin just yes. like kind of dismisses him, and maybe he slaps him one time, and then that's about it. He's just in the corner in the fetal position, crying. He's like, I'm, I'm so. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that's definitely. I had a feeling Tarkin. I don't know why, but I had a feeling Tarkin was going to be on your list. Uh, the more I watch Rogue One, the more interested I am in his character, the more exciting he becomes, just because you get to really kind of see his master manipulation of things. He never comes out and and declares himself to be this evil, vile character, but he's just so prim and proper that you know he must be evil. It's really strange. Have you, have like, you read Tarkin? Um... Yes. Okay. I remember there's something about a plateau, and he has, like, this challenge where he's dropped in the woods for a few days or something. Yeah, and he has to basically become the the alpha of the woods. I, I, I remember enjoying it. I remember that. Wasn't that the book that introduced Palpatine's first name as Sheev? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. What? You don't like mm-hmm. old Sheevy Palps? Gotta love Chibi Palps. Let's move on. We're we're friends. We're on a first name basis. All right. So she- I so I guess that's my uh, my I've number. Never two. heard the tale of. Never mind. That was weird. I'm not sure what just happened there, guys. I'm sorry. I'm, I might edit this out. I might not. All right. Going Never on to my number two. Thanks the wise. Okay. My bad. <laughs> You're a fan. Uh, my number two is titled "The Brawl Where They Fall." It's Jabba the Hutt versus Jar Jar Binks. Oh, shoo! So, this is this is not a Jar Jar hate thing, because I actually do like Jar Jar, but he is a scaredy cat, and he is not a fighter. Like, in Aftermath, after everything happens, he becomes a clown. So he, he's obviously not going to be somebody who's going to jump into a cage and just start fighting. And then, you know, there's Jabba, who is Jabba. And... <laughs> I envision this one going a little bit like this. Jabba thinks Jar Jar is one of those frog things that he's eating in Return of the Jedi. (laughs) Slow speed chase commences around the ring, right? Jar Jar's tripping and falling all over himself and Jabba. There's some some climbing on the top of the cage. There's tripping over the tail. all, All that kind of thing, right? So it goes to round four. They get through round four and not really making too much contact except for, you know, Jar Jar and his ears flapping and probably hitting himself in the face. And then in round five, Jabba is so worn out from all the sliding around that he's done. And of course, you know, Jar Jar has been talking the whole time because Jar Jar. It's Jar Jar. And he's to the confusing and frustrating Jabba to the point where Jabba just passes out. The win goes to Jar Jar by TKO. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. I, I didn't expect that turn at the end there. It's a real uh, plot twist. I wasn't expecting. Jar Jar for the win. I mean, Jar Jar is a bomb bad general, though, so you feel like he's got some kind of military training. Well, and he literally always trips his way into successfully completing whatever it is he's trying to do. That's a good point. He fails he really up. <laughs> he, he, really, he falls up those stairs all the time. Nicely done. All right, you're okay. number two. Uh, my number two is a lot less interesting. Um, I think I don't have rounds that I planned out for these two guys. Cause again, we're talking about old guys who probably aren't actually fighting each other, but we're going to go with 
Galen Urso versus Bevel Lemelisk, the designers of the Death Star. But this one's a little bit different because I, I kind of have to take a page out of your playbook of two different source materials. Bevel Lemelisk, I don't even know how many people are going to know what we're talking about here. This is a well, character from I have old never even heard of that name. You know, okay, long time ago. In a galaxy there, far, far away? You've heard this story, okay. Yeah. Um, the guy who designed the Death Star was called Bevel Lemelisk, and he designed the Death Star, they built it, it blew up, so Palpatine has Lemelisk executed, and then cloned and brought back to life in order to destroy the, to build the second Death Star. Pause to let that sink in. Was it just, did Palpatine just clone <laughs> everybody? Because didn't he clone himself like eight times or something like that? A, a couple times. He had a couple clones hidden on his home, on his uh, Imperial world of Bast, um, where in his castle there were several clones that were just kind of chilling out so his spirit would be able to flee the currently dying body and enter the new body and be reborn at a safe space. Yes, that plot line was used a couple times in the old Dark Horse, Dark Empire series. Oof. Oof. It was a, it was a dark time, not just for the rebellion, but for everybody. <laughs> so I wanted these two guys because I feel like again the less interesting fights, like the less active fights, are going to be like the more sciency guys, and the imperial officers are like this worth this this well of information and a lot of different stuff, and especially these two guys as the two different people who are credited with designing and building the Death Star. It kind of is like a little bit of revenge of the expanded universe. Now, Galen Erso wins this one by a landslide because he's played by a wonderful actor, and he's an amazing person, and there's just no way you can compete with that when you're a comic book character. Sorry, guys. Yeah, but how does he win, though? Because Galen is also not a fighter. He just goes hiding. Into, he goes into hiding. He goes farming, and then uh, he'll probably shoot him in the back when he needs to. Farming a man like him. Yeah, it's a, it's a simple life. Ever since Lyra died. <sighs> oh God, I love that movie so much. That that is rapidly becoming one of my top three favorite Star Wars films. This episode and all episodes of Clashing Sabers brought to you by Rogue One. <laughs> I'm willing to be okay with that. We need more right. commentary on that real soon. I think we are up to the top of the bottom. This one, all right. Let, I, I, this is going to be another one where we're going to have to to see if you know who one of these characters is. This one uh. is the Rumble and the Bumble. It's Salacious B. Crumb versus As Morgan. <laughs> now, I'm okay, go, I'm I know to, who Salacious Crumb is. I was going to say, I'm hoping you know who Salacious B. Crumb is. You have to use this. Very funny guy. You have to use this. Sorry, my bad. (laughs) Do you remember as Morgan? Uh, No. All right. So, have I met this character? Yes. Uh, Yeah, he was in the Lando episode. Um, And oh no. Yeah, Hera gets traded to him. Oh, this is the guy. She doesn't she hit him with the with with the tray? Yeah, Yeah. him with the tray and says useful tray. So, <laughs> those of you that don't know, the the design of Asmorgan is based on the some original concept work for Jabba the Hutt. For those of you that also don't know, Asmorgan is the bane of my existence and literally, like, probably the Star Wars character I hate more than any, any other. Wow, this has replaced the, uh, the Nightcrawler thing from the Forces of Destiny cartoon that you railed against for, like, 30 minutes? 
I said character. Nightcrawler is a creature. Okay, semantics. <laughs> I this what I do for a living is parse words. <laughs> All right, so this is the the only match that I could think of that could supplant the ridiculousness of Jabba versus Jar Jar. So like when I was making this list, I literally just sat down and go, okay, who are the most like annoying, ridiculous characters, uh, over the top characters in Star Wars? Obviously, Salacious B. Crumb fits that that mold uh but i think as morgan does too and i cannot wow. stand i mean i i have a love hate with salacious b crumb like i love How that i hate him. salacious b crumb though like he's, he's perfect he's yes but it's it's kind of the same way i hate mace windu like mace windu does exactly what he's supposed to do like salacious just messing with r2 like that for no reason it's a little uncalled for you know <laughs> so Anyways, I think Salacious takes this one in the third round. He's had he spent a lot what? of time around. Yeah, in the third round, easy. He spent a lot. So so I thought this out. Don't worry. He spent a lot of time around Jar Jar, right? So he probably has picked up some nefarious ways to get under people's skins. And As Morgan is just annoying and couldn't find his way out of a paper bag. You could cut the thing wide open, give it exit signs. As Morgan is still <laughs> not getting out of that bag. So while he's trying to figure out how to get out of the cage, Salacious is hopping all around the ring. By the middle of the third round, Salacious has been running over along the little top of the, the octagon, right? Somebody tosses him a tray. And then I don't... <laughs> Hold on. This is going places. Are you? Did you ever watch, watch like, WWF or anything? No. Okay. So there's a... No. There's... <laughs> I like... Which... What kind of weird question is... Okay, good. Sorry, continue. I'm going somewhere with this. So those of you who are wrestling fans, you you probably know... Write it. Let us know. (laughs) Yes, please do. Uh, You probably know the name Eddie Guerrero. So Eddie Guerrero used to have a trick, right, where he would bring a steel steel chair into the match. The referee's back would be turned because he was distracted for something. And then Guerrero would toss the chair to his opponent who would catch it, and then he would fall down. And the ref would turn around and assume that, you know the opponent hit Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero wins the match, right? So this is what I imagine happens with Salacious and the tray. <laughs> so the ref goes over to tell the timekeeper something. I don't know what. You guys can figure that out in some expanded universe of Clashing Sabres material. I don't know. But Please do not. We don't need that fan fiction floating around the internet. God, so much we don't need that fan fiction. So anyways, Salacious tosses Asmorgan the tray, falls down, the ref turns around, DQs Asmorgan, in frustration, as Morgan flails the tray around, hits himself on accident, gets knocked out anyway, because <laughs> useful tray. It was useful a very tray. useful tray. Wow, I I am impressed. I've seen the movie The Wrestler. Does that count, Darren Aronofsky? Uh, I'll give you I'll give you some credit there. Okay. I mean, it's very emotional. It's a, okay. God, that movie's so good. You seen that one? Yes, I've seen that one. I'm proud of you. Nicely done. Yeah, I I'm I'm somewhat cultured. Somewhat. Okay, sure, like, sure, sure. Yeah, like it's good. Pinky- it's good. It's good. It's good. I get it. I get it. My pinky finger. <laughs> That's it. Right. So I've got one left on the the bottom three. These are turning out to be as ridiculous as I kind of imagined. But we're going to go back to the job of the hut because clearly he didn't end his career with that particular fight. But I think that my number one of the bottom. It's got to be Jabba the Hutt versus Lady Proxima. Because if you've got <laughs> characters, they have to fight. 
Oh my god. I don't know why they're fighting. I don't know how long they are fighting. I just know it's disgusting. And there's puddles of stuff at the end. I don't even know if they win. They probably both die in the ring. Let's just presume they, they smother each other to death, because that would be that, that would be kind of picture perfect for the two of these guys. The slugs. Whoa, 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 whoa. Picture perfect. I don't think anybody wants to picture Jabba and Lady Proxima smothering each other. Well, they're they're fighting. They're 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 in combat with one another. Uh-huh. They're not, you know. Mommy and Daddy are wrestling. <laughs> okay, I don't know what you would call it, tickle time over there or whatever. But these guys are locked in mortal combat. There's, you know, fire. Mortal combat. <laughs> waiting to see how long it took us to get there for that joke to be made and i'm not disappointed with myself i gotta say yeah so no, yes I mean, lady proxima job of the hut duking it out the uh the slave mama versus the slave murdered Jabba. i think has got to be my uh oh, what do you call that marquee banner fight yeah. something title, what's really title fight there you go the title fight of the outer rim territories boom so is this is this happening in Jabba's palace or in Proxima's den? Uh, that's a really good question. I think well, we should put it in Jabba's palace because I can't imagine him going anywhere for anybody who's not Prince Shizor. That <laughs> that's the Empire reference for the three of you who remember that book. I actually just reread that book like last year. It is not as good as it was when I was a kid. <laughs> not at all. I used to that. I loved that book when I was a kid. Like it's I amazing. had. I had the action figures and every like the only chewy action figure I had was the buzz cut Chewbacca with the military gear on. Which oh, was you just... mean you mean Snuva? Sure, I don't know. I've tried to wash that whole whole Turns thing out wrong. of my brain. Oh come on, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It's, pretty bad. <laughs> it's, it's really like bad. it's it's not quite Jabba Proxima fighting bad, but it, it's definitely. But let's be clear, Dash Rendar is the man. And the Outrider is a great ship. Dash Rendar is now canon. What? Yeah. I can't, I forgot to mention this to you. This there, is a... There is a mention of Han... So in the book, the I think it's the, the Tales from Bandor. It's one of those like in-universe books written by the characters, right? So you had like Ray's uh, Scavenger Journal and things like that. Okay. So it kind of kind of harkens back to like the episode one stuff we got with Darth Maul and Padme and Anakin. There's a Tales of from Vandor book that came out, uh, which is like Han Solo's notes or whatever, and what? he mentions he mentions his friend Ren- Rendar, um, and then I think in another thing he talks about Dash. So shut the front door. Dash Rendar is at least in some He's way. Back, He's back. You can't keep a good man down. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Episode episode nine, Return of the Rendar. Uh, hey, I would be okay if he makes an appearance in one of these films. I am totally down with that. I, You know what I would like is just like, if we get another solo movie, you just get somebody who looks a lot like Alden Ehrenreich, and you just play up that he's like the, the knockoff version of Han Angle. <laughs> <laughs> and just go like go full camp with it. I mean, I, I I'd be down for that. Or um, at least, I mean, if not in the film, at least in some of the promo material, something like that. I, I think it would be sense, cool. Yeah. 
That's not bad. I'm trying to think. He had a card made of him, and they used like an actual person as kind of the likeness thereof. And I'm trying to remember who it was because the the old Star Wars card game used like the authors of the books at the time as their inspiration. Like Michael Stackpole is, I think they used him for Talon Card. Um, that sounds that sounds right. Who the heck did they use? I'm trying. I'm 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 frantically googling it to try and see if I can find where they use that dang it because they added the outrider to the special edition so like the ship is canon yeah the ship is canon for sure so i mean i guess we can assume that that is now like for sure the outrider and not just another version of that model and dash rendar's flying it i guess it, it lined up with one of the books the um was it shadow games i think was one of the later ones in the old expanded universe where they did a dash rendar story but it's it ends with him in the cantina and he leaves and takes off and that's the sequence you see in the film but he had just gotten up from like han solo's table or something like that so it kind of it's it, the idea is that it ends where it ends the film picks up immediately right there immediately thereafter so it's like rogue one the dash rendar story it, that, that is exactly what it is! God, that's so smart. Why didn't I think of that? You know, this is why I teach. <laughs> because I am smarter than all. Because those who can't do. Hey, now, that's not necessary. Oh, we're getting personal here. About we're, about to get, we're about to get real personal we're with these top get, three fights, by the way. Yes, we are. That See, that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you do a segue. Not like I did earlier in the show. That's, that's right. theater acting right there. That's theater <laughs> class. <laughs> all right, so... I'm going to jump into my number three. This is the only one that I'm using as a personal grudge match. Ooh. So if you listen to Don't Burn the Sacred Text, you know I'm not a fan of Nora Wexley. And when I say I'm not a fan of Nora Wexley, I say – I mean like in terms of my most despised Star Wars characters, (laughs) there is Nora Wexley, and then right above her is some Bantha Poodoo. Oh, gosh. And then right above her, that, you have Mace Windu. Okay. So Nora Wexley is the worst. So, like, I mean, seriously, she abandons her son. She expects him to just forgive forgive her. Like, come on, get it together, Nora. Get it together. So, (laughs) her opponent. Get it together, Nora. (laughs) Why is that not like a, isn't that like a country western song or something? Something like that. Don't tempt me. I'll start singing on the podcast and nobody wants that. No. Okay, so who's she fighting? She's fighting. <laughs> you go to against Vader, aren't you? No, no, no. This is this is the smother of the mother. Oh no! It is Nora Wexley. No, Iden Versio. Oh, okay. Wait, what? Yes, because Iden is amazing. Okay. Iden so grew up with a terrible home life, but yet built a solid family. An amazing kid in Zay Miko, because, com- or conversely, I should say, you have Nora, who abandoned her family for selfish reasons, shows back up, expects her son just to love her, and then you get Snap, who in the Aftermath trilogy is kind of a jerk, not that cool. Kind of. And uh, I'm being hyperbolic. And then in the movies is Greg Grunberg. That's all I know about him. And in the <laughs> comics, and then I'm, he's in the comics, and there, there's like a relationship that happens or something. I don't even know. This one, 
I don't even need Nora to get, like, beaten up, per se. I just want her to be taught that things don't always go the way that she go wants them to go just because she shows up. So, I'm calling this one Aiden Versio first round by round Ronda Rousey armbar. Nora taps out. Aiden Versio is life. Wow. Well done. Okay. I'm surprised you didn't put her through a ringer or something like that just to I, take I'm out not, your aggression. I'm not vindictive. No. Yeah, you are. What? No. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. A little bit. I do. I do feel lighter now, though. <laughs> Is that? You feel better. You got that out now. That, your your anger, yeah, your aggression. I feel, I feel like I can finally let go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. See, we're singing already. Can't so back anymore. This is where we're going to go ahead and continue on and pretend we don't hear that. So the top three. Uh, number three for me, and this is where I have to cheat and, and strip the force powers out. I'm going to put Anakin against Bail Organa. The father who was and the father who wanted to be. That is awesome. I think I that, it, and this is kind of the scenario in my mind. At some point, Vader would have had to have learned, well, I guess Vader learns that Leia is his daughter on the second Death Star, right? Right there at the very end of things, the end of days for him. Imagine if Bail Organa was still around at that point and the two of them got to meet. Because if Bail is still working for the Senate up until his death and Vader is working for the Emperor, it's not unreasonable that the two of them could have crossed paths at some point. Imagine if they both know the other's identities and involvement in the other's families and what that fist fight would look like. That would be sick. Now... Again, you have to kind of strip out the whole fact that Anakin's the chosen one nonsense in order to make it a fair fight, because otherwise all you'd have is these little tiny bits of flesh floating through the air as he disintegrates Bail Organa with his mind. Um, but I think that would probably be... That's kind of my emotional pick here, of just the kind of the guy who realizes you basically kidnapped my family and split them up and sent them across the galaxy and let me think they were dead. That's a fight worth watching. That is a grudge match for sure. I love how you make Bale the villain of this situation. Well, I, well, from Anakin's perspective, the Jedi are evil, so why not? I mean, yeah. from his, from Anakin's perspective, every single person he has ever come in contact with either lets him down or betrays him. So what's one more senator? You know. So are you having you? You're having this be Anakin lives past the end of Return of the Jedi, and they meet. Or are you talking like prequel Anakin versus later Bail Organa? Yeah, you kind of want to take like Anakin from the beginning half of Revenge of the Sith minus the Force powers. Well, it's hard to say because the timelines are never going to line up exactly the way you want them to. But you kind of want you want old man Bail who's had time to think about it and realize the impact he's had. And you kind of want Anakin to have time to realize everything and under, uncover it. You know, it, it's it's never going to work out perfectly, but you want enough time to for both of these characters to stew with the bad decisions that they have both made and that there is no one who is right in that kind of a situation. Again, if we're going to rewrite things, let's rewrite them the way we want them, right? Yeah, exactly. I, this reminds me a lot of Thrawn Alliances. I, you haven't read Thrawn Alliances yet, have I've you? Not, I started the first one, the just the Thrawn right. novel. I've started that one. I'm like 100 pages into that. So if I can finish this one, Alliances will be next on my list. So, no spoilers or anything, but Alliances kind of plays on the 
the push pull between Vader and Anakin and their or excuse me Vader and their place in the the empire and kind of Thrawn's political military machinations versus you know what Vader um wants and his kind of brute force and I I kind of see Bale versus Anakin like that same kind of way yeah like, you know Bale's gonna continually just kind of like wait let's talk this out and he's gonna kind of like avoid a punch or let's let's talk this out while Anakin's just like swinging like an angry two-year-old who didn't get his cupcake <laughs> yeah sure why not boil it down to that yep it's that simple so my number two fight is titled revenge versus avenge I took a lot of time to think of these titles. I you clearly say. did. Did you make up, like, playbills and everything? Do they have playbills for fights? Is that a thing? They do, or they have the, the posters, and I sure. really I really thought about, like, making the posters, and then I saw how few of them are actually out there on the internet of Star Wars characters fighting, and I really figured it would probably be a little bit too hard for my tiny brain to handle, so I didn't. Hit us with your number two. All right, my number two, this one, whereas my number three was a grudge match for me, this one is a grudge match for the characters. It is Thrawn versus Hera. Ooh, Thrawn, okay, I'm intrigued. So Thrawn has caused a lot of pain in Hera's life, and I just wanted her to get some retribution. I mean, <laughs> honestly, that's that's all it is because I love Hera. Uh, but I, but honestly, like they, they both have been shown to be very good in hand-to-hand combat. I don't think you've gotten there with Thrawn yet, but there's a scene with him uh, fighting some multiple like droids at the same time, um, doing like some training or whatever, and and it's clearly showing that he's an excellent fighter. And okay. Then there's a scene in season four where Hera's fighting her way out of somewhere, and she disposes of some Imperials very quickly and efficiently. So, I think that like much like their characters. These two would spend the first two rounds or so filling each other out, you know, kind of jab, kick, punch, um, and, and kind of back and forth. A couple solid exchanges, but they're both just kind of trying to find the weakness in each other. And I think Thrawn is doing this. He's he's kind of doing what he does, right? And Hera knows that she's doing Thrawn is doing what he does, so she's kind of playing him. So she lures him in by always... I don't doing something. I don't know, throwing a roundhouse kick or something, right? So she throws a roundhouse kick with her right leg, and then she throws a shot <laughs> to the head. And she's always doing like some kind of pattern, right? And she sees Thrawn catching on in about round three, and she starts to pull away, right? She starts to pretend like, oh, I see him. I see he noticed this, so I'm not going to do it anymore, right? And then when she reconditions him to think she's not going to throw the punch, she throws the kick, throws the punch right in the temple, knockout win. For Hera. Wow, man, that's putting a lot of faith in somebody who can try and stand up to a chess warrior like that. I mean, I mean, if we're gonna live in your fiction, that's fine. It, it, it's my it's my fan fiction, so I I could say something, but it would spoil the end of season four of Rebels. So I'm gonna let you have oh, save that it, one save and, it, and and give me a year on to your number two. I am gonna move on to my number two, but let's stick with the world of Rebels for a moment. And let's, let's always stick with the world. Let's go with my favorite character in that show so far. Has to be a tiny little orange bucket of hate. Yeah. <laughs> Who could that be? Oh, he's my favorite character. But I think if we're going to put Chopper in the ring with somebody, we have to give him an equal to fight, to really kind of test his merits. And there's really only one other droid in the entire Star Wars universe that is equal to Chopper's level of impish disaster-causing nonsense and mayhem. And it's R2-D2. Yeah. 
So you got blue versus orange, which is basically the entire end of Empire Strikes Back anyway, and which clearly makes Chopper the dark side, which is kind of fun if you think about it. So I would put these two guys against each other. I don't have, <laughs> I don't have uh, which leg they're going to kick each other with, but I think it would be great to see which inventive way Chopper can come up with to murder R2-D2 and hide the body. Because the more I watch Rebels, the more I realize that Chopper, Chopper is the dark side nexus that is causing Ezra to fall to the dark side. So if he does indeed turn to the dark side, which I kind of hope that he does, which would be really cool storytelling, little dark for a kid's show, but pretty cool, it's probably going to be Chopper's fault. He hides bodies. He he spaced <laughs> he spaced a couple stormtroopers just for no purpose other than they bothered him. That was great. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, he kicked that droid out of the in season one. Remember the yeah uh, he yeah the droid right out just bye. right out just by toodles. He 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 grabs a replacement leg and beats another person to death with it. Yes, that's so good. God, I love Chopper so. Much. He's the best. He's he's pretty much my favorite character. He's the, definitely the most entertaining um, so far. But I think when you put him up against R two, who comes off as like the hero from the movies, but I think that there's a way you can read things in which he is just as disastrous and dark side himself. R two can probably is. I don't know how you figure it out, but I'm sure there's a way in which R2-D2 is the main villain of the whole thing. It really, he's, he's really, it really is all his fault, since he spent so much time with Anakin, left him on Mustafar, knew what happened, and never had his mind wiped, could have told Luke, could have told Obi-Wan, could have told anybody. But instead he's like, nah, I'm going to let these meat sacks figure it out for themselves. Have you- so really, he is kind of evil now that I think about it too. I like him a lot more. Have you seen the the old? It's like I think it was like a Lucasfilm production or something because it's like an actual R two D two, but it's like a little video about how R two has become uh, too enamored with his own fame. <laughs> and they no, show, they show him like sitting by the poolside with like uh, girls fanning him and whatever, and like every cliche oh. like Hollywood star thing that you can think of, they literally have R two doing. But it's just awkward because it's R2, like, <laughs> laying on a beach chair. It's it's hilarious. Uh, we'll have to see if we can find that. We can share it on the Facebook page. Yes, for sure. That That is such a good one. See, I, I kind of considered that one for half a second, but I had a feeling Chopper was going to be on your list. He's I, just too perfect. He really is amazing. I was hoping it was going to be Chopper R2-D2. I kind of – I was worried you would take it in a different direction with that one, but I'm, I'm happy you chose that because that's just- – Well, I thought about like IG-88, but then he would actually blow Chopper up, and that would be very, very unfortunate for all of us. Yeah, that's true. Chopper does survive a lot though. He really does, and it's it's very, very strange. Like I feel like it's odd that the droids can survive in the vacuum of space, but we know for a fact that R2 can. K2SO says that he can. And we see Chopper do it, but I always feel like they really shouldn't work that way. It's very strange. Like I always feel like the cold vacuum of space should kind of freeze some of like I don't know if it's like hydraulic fluid or whatever it is that allows them to motor and move around. Just shouldn't work out in space. But so that's getting off topic. Watching Solo today, like the scene, if you remember it, you know, in the grand total of one time that you've seen it. Real Star Wars fan. Ha. Um, Hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag. Not my Star Wars. Not my Star Wars. Um, there, the scene where in the Kessel Run where Han puts down the landing gear and is kind of sliding. Do you remember that? Nope. Okay. Anyway, he puts 
I remember the Kessel Run. Let me let me. Uh, Isn't there a tentacle monster at some point? There is. This is before that. He, okay. he puts the landing gear down and he's sliding, right, to kick back debris towards the TIE Fighters. Sure. For, for some reason, when they show the, the TIE Fighter, every time I thought it was Beckett in the, the undercarriage of the Millennium Falcon. And I was wondering, I'm like, how does all that gravel and stuff gear and, and carbon or whatever it is being kicked up not shatter the window? And today, like, on my fifth viewing was when I finally realized, no, it actually shattered the window. So... <laughs> Again, all the color palettes are the same. It's hard to tell the details from each other. Brandon needs things in bright primary colors. If it's yes. not red, yellow, or blue, we, we can't do it. I can do some orange. Ooh, okay. look at you. Yeah, I, You know, I'm, I'm growing up. I'm maturing. What can I say? Red feet, red feet in a yellow puddle make orange. <laughs> That's a mouse right. paint reference. If anybody's got little kids, mouse paint. It's a great book. Read it. Taught me a lot. Get it from your public library. Yes, please. All right. All right. Number ones. You ready for Go this? Go for it. I'm, 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 I'm wondering. I don't even think I can guess what you're going to say. So go ahead and hit me with it. All right. This one's plain and simple. Just it would be a really BA fight to watch. I just titled it. I kept it simple. Survivor and the fittest. Ray versus Kira. Hmm. So, so you have so this would be kind of a this is two amazing fighters going head to head, right? But it's also two different styles going head to head, which I think always makes for an interesting match. Kira, you have she's like this this planner type person. She always is thinking of an exit. It makes that clear in Most Wanted. She's trained in Tarascasi. She always she's like somebody. And, and Most Wanted really gets into her character really well, who always has, like, a plan A and B and C and D every time. But there, there goes it goes back to that Mike Tyson saying of, like, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Which is where <laughs> I, I love that quote. It's the best. It, this is where I think Ray gets the advantage, right? Because she's, she's a street fighter. Yeah. She's fought physically to, to survive, while Kira has kind of been more of a, a schemer, um who, even though she was disadvantaged, she always found ways to kind of move herself along. In terms of, like, the fight itself, we have to consider that Ray's proficiency is more so with melee weapons. It's a little less with the hand-to-hand -hand combat. It's staff, lightsabers, that sort of things. So, the first three rounds, I think Kira actually has an advantage just because of her technical skills with Tereskasi. Ray knows that if the fight goes to the judges, she's already lost because Kira has clearly outfought her. And okay. I think that, okay. street, that street fighter mentality starts to take over because now she's fighting to survive. So she begins to move a lot and starts to wear Kira out a lot like uh, if you've ever watched a Floyd Mayweather fight, right? He takes a lot of punches, but he keeps moving around and he tires the other person out. Kira is getting strike after strike after strike, but... Her plan, her plan is working, so she's not changing things, right? She just keeps attacking, and Ray is taking the body shots, not taking the shots to the head, right? She's drawing her in kind of like, like I said with Hera earlier. And then Ray notices Kira becoming a little too dependent on one move, a little bit too comfortable. Boom, she grabs Kira mid-strike, brings her to the ground, rear naked choke. Kira is a survivor, so she taps out, fights another day, and Ray in the... I'm going to go with third minute of the fifth round by tap out. 
your featherweight champion of the galaxy. <laughs> wow. Okay. Not bad. I'm. I can see Ray going in there and doing some damage. I think that would be a lot of fun. She'd probably get hit a couple of times. Be like, "What is this nonsense?" And then just one good, you know, smack. That's what I think. Clock like, to the side of the head. I think she gets Kira comfortable with, yeah, you can hit me, you can hit me, you can hit me. Because, like, her body is, being a scavenger on a desert planet like that, like, she's used to her body being worn down. So it's hmm. not going it, to, it's not like, like, Kira has always, well, she hasn't always lived in comfort, but she spent years with Dryden Voss living where, you know, she never really had to struggle to eat kind of thing. Her, She never really felt that wear and tear on her body. So I think... When she starts attacking Ray and Ray is feeling those punches and, and knowing, like, I can take those because I've taken a lot worse than that, she yeah. draws Kira in and that's where she gets that, that one strike, takes her to the mat, and you have the match. Interesting. Okay, I like that. I would not have picked that at all for you, so that's that's interesting that she kind of went that direction. Why? How did that, like, come to mind? Like, where did that come from? Honestly, I'd been thinking a lot, so I was listening No, I want to you to lie to me. I was yes. This is this is the story I'm making up on the spot. I, I was listening to Starbecue podcast a while back, uh, the adults only Star Wars podcast. If you are over eighteen or uh, actually probably over twenty one, let's be honest, head over there and follow them. Uh, but they were talking about old video games and stuff, and Terrace Costi came up, and this was right. Game is right. ridiculous, by the way. Oh, I doesn't love make that sense. Game. No, it doesn't at all. But it's Star Wars meets Mortal Kombat, and I love it. So I was envisioning a lot of Tereskasi as I was planning this out, and I was just thinking of, like, who are people that we've actually seen in fistfights and, and in actual, huh. you know, n- not necessarily fistfights, but, like, non-lightsaber battles. Oh, uh, okay. You know, th- those two came to mind. Interesting. Well done. I like that very much. So I have one left to go, my top one, and this has... It's a little bit more basic. It's a little bit more straightforward, but I think it's one that's actually, dare I say, well deserved. Um, I'm going to put Poe Dameron up against the hero of the rebellion, Wedge Antilles. Wow. Because if you think about Poe's character arc in the Last Jedi, going from the the hot dog and ace, I think is they call him like once or twice. And they try and get him into the, like the leadership role. Wedge Antilles would have strolled up to him, smacked him in the face, stuck him in the brig, and forgotten about him. He has no time for Poe Dameron's nonsense. Wedge Antilles is the real hero of the rebellion. He's the best pilot. He's super duper cool. Don't read the aftermath books because you may not think that's what happens to him because that's not okay. What they did to him in that book is not okay. But I thought this would be interesting in like a in a, uh, a spaceship fight, like a, a dog fight between the two of them. Like if you stuck the two of them in simulators against each other, what would happen? And Wedge Antilles is going to come out on top every single time. I like Poe. He's a really cool character. I think he's a lot of fun. I hope he gets a lot of cool things to do in Episode Nine. But you can't beat the hero of the rebellion. He's the only guy with two Death Stars painted on the side of his X-Wing. There's no stopping him. And Poe, I think, deserves kind of a good smackdown. I think he needs something to kind of keep him in line from time to time. He needs that humbling every so often because he's so good. He forgets that there are other people that are that are better at it than him. And I kind of hope that's something we get to see. Like We get that last message in Episode 8 where the 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 plea for help goes out you know 
Leia says, you know, let all of our friends out there know we need help and nobody comes. Well, I want episode nine to be where those guys come back together. That's like the chance we have to bring some of those classic characters back in ways we didn't expect. Um, and I think Wedge is prime for that. If we don't get a Wedge Antilles in episode nine, I may leave slightly disappointed. So, but if we're going to put the two of them in a fight, those are the two guys I want to see more than anything else because I think that's not unrealistic. Like, Wedge is out there retired somewhere in the galaxy, but I'm sure he's just as sharp as ever. And that's the fight I want to see. I'm sure he is. And I, and I could totally see the two of them, like, having some friendly banter, talking trash, and then, like you said, jumping in the simulator. And next thing you know, they're jumping out of the simulator at each other's throats. Yeah, I just Wedge whistles and walks away going, you know, I told you I'd beat you. <laughs> I, trained a, I trained a horse to fly an X-Wing. I could beat you to death. Okay. I really would like to see Poe in, like, some kind of fight that is outside of a spaceship, though. Like, when we get to episode 9. Yeah. I think I think it'd be really... You know what would be that really would be funny? Cool. So, I know you haven't read Last Shot yet, but... In Last Shot, Lando's kind of major introduction is he walks in and punches Han in the face. <laughs> and I would just love if Lando just walked up and just punched Poe in the face. It was just like, if you hadn't been so hard-headed... Like mm. a lot of this stuff would not have happened. That could, that's not unrealistic. I mean, it is, let's be honest. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen. But, it's you know, we know that Lando's coming back. He is. He is. So Which I we guess. should have mixed feelings about it anyway. Yeah. Wait I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to bring back a classic character, he's not the first one on my list. I think Billy D. Williams is like, come on, man. I need a paycheck. But I like Billy D. His I name did. is William December Williams. Did you know that? Yes, it's crazy. I did. It's the best. William I mean, December Williams. What? He, he, I mean, he is Lando. As, as great as Donald Glover was, he, you know, it. To an extent, it is nice to have him back. But I really wish if they were going to bring him back, they would have brought him back in the second movie. You know, and have that parallel uh-huh. to Empire. I I feel like this is really a sign that we're not going to get that much of general leia and so they felt the need to have a legacy character yeah you know this is this trilogy is kind of like so so i feel like the prequel trilogy is kind of like how do you create a bad legacy the the original trilogy is how do you redeem that legacy and then like the sequel trilogy is kind of what do you do with that legacy what does that legacy mean for the rest of the galaxy for the rest of the people around them and well i mean like lando deserves credit for blowing up the second death star and everything but i just he's never been a character that excites me he's never i mean yeah i like him much better in empire than i do i have no problem with him in return of the jedi he's not my problem with return of the jedi it's I, i i like lando's character there i think they needed somebody to do that um but yeah, he's much more interesting in Empire, of course. Oh, by far. Because Empire is just a better movie. Stop. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I had to. I had to draw you. Stop. Empire oh. is Empire is a better film. I like Return of the Jedi better. What? You know this. You know that Return of the Jedi is my nostalgic favorite. This is Return of the Jedi is the one that I skipped school and pretended to be sick. Oh so yeah, I, I forgot about that. Watch Return of the Jedi on more than one occasion. It. I don't. Uh, that that end. I mean, the the whole Jabba thing. Even 
a lot of the stuff with the Ewoks is very like problematic and not the best, but that end part of Return of the Jedi with Luke and the Battle of the Second Death Star. True, true, is, true. Like, I don't foresee any. You, you would have to do a lot for anything to top that as some of my fate, my my favorite part of a Star Wars movie. Like, even with as great as Act Three of Rogue One is, it still doesn't touch Act Three of Return of the Jedi for me. Uh, okay, wait. For me, Drew. Okay. For me. All right. All right. Did you have any honorable mentions in our uh, in our fist fights of doom here that you wanted to make sure get mentioned, even though they didn't make the cut? Uh, just anybody whooping up on Mace Windu is totally fine with me. But other you than know, that, no. It's really uncalled for. Okay. <laughs> he was doing the best he could with the hand he was dealt. All right. He had a nine hundred year old supervisor who wasn't cut out for his position. Yes, yeah, this is not Mace Windu's fault. You need to get off the man's back. Treason. That's what it is. I mean, you're not wrong. It was technically. <laughs> it was. I mean, you can't can't fault that. The only thing I had on my honorable mentions, and this was one of my like the moments of ridiculous. I was like, no, this is too far. I wondered what would happen if you had all of the Ewoks fight all of the Jawas. Oh man, that would be cool. I just thought it'd be kind of strange to see all the all the little. It's really all the little people actors. Like, who are the Ewoks, and then, like, the kids who are the Jawas, and he put them in this, you know, giant room and shook them all up so they're all really mad at each other, and then start <laughs> wailing on each other. I thought that would be fun, but then I was like, nah, that's too ridiculous. I shouldn't talk about that. And I was right, I shouldn't talk about that. Throw some Porgs in the mix, and you've got a party. That's a good point. I mean, the Porgs would probably eat the survivors at the end anyway. <laughs> so, are, are that we would be sure okay. That- are we sure that the Ewoks aren't the ones eating the survivors? We do know that they are cannibalistic, so that's that's not uh, unreasonable. But could they catch a porg? I don't know. The porgs could probably like swarm a single Ewok in like a like a, a colony of fire ants and just consume the body down to the bones. It is called a murder of porgs. So <laughs> that will never that will, that will never not be just amazing. I love that. Fantastic. Uh, I love Porgs are the best. They're pretty great, not going to lie. Well, that exhausts my list. I don't have anything else on my notes to go through tonight. I'm done too, so I guess that's a good place for us to close for this return episode, return to form for uh, Clashing Sabres. It's good to be back. It's really good to have you back. I I miss talking to you, and I love when we get to to do this. But in in the meantime, in the interim, in between all the time we get to talk with each other, we get to hang out over on the Clashing Saber Star Wars Community Facebook group. So if you're not already a member, make sure you come and join us over there. It is a troll-free, drama-free, idiot-free place to be. Um, I did not mean to rhyme that. That was kind of embarrassing. But (laughs) it really is like a safe space where... We we come and, and we have just dis- we have disagreements, but we keep it civil and, and have actual real conversations like, you know, normal human beings do. It's crazy how it works. It's uh, very strange. And it's on the Internet. It's very it's odd. Crazy. If you want more of a if you're more of the, the scum of hive and villainy type of person, you can come join us uh, over on Twitter, of course, at Clashing Sabers. <laughs> uh, Drew, you are at the Drew Brett. Is that correct? Still? That's me. That's how you find me. 
All right, and uh, let's see, other things. We are on ClashingSabers.net. Make sure you uh, subscribe and give us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. And go over and check out Outer Rim Originals. Give them uh, a little what's up and maybe buy some of their artwork. You're going to be one of less than 50 people in the galaxy who has... Uh, some of this original artwork from... Uh, oh, I forgot Rose. about that. The limited print thing is, is really... Yes. Sh- is that the one of um, the guy, the soldiers at Echo Base? They have the the soldiers at Echo Base. Um, and I, I think, if I remember correctly, they usually do 45. 44 or 45 wow. is the number of prints that Ooh. they do. Um, and as Devin mentioned earlier in the episode, you get the uh, the, the certificate of authentic- authenticity um, that goes along with that. So... Good stuff going on over there. Of course, you can send us your thoughts uh, on any of those places, but also uh, at Clashing uh, Network at gmail.com. That's what our email address is. I know. I'm professional at this. <laughs> and, I have it written down. And, it's on an index card. <laughs> in my Rolodex. And until next time, remember, always walk the other way from a murder of porgs. Batch 8. Hi-ho! The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use it for informational and educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here. Darth Vader versus Chewbacca. Ready? Fight! <laughs> <laughs>